2017, a 20-year-old girl met a man in order to trade Pokemon figures. What she didn't know was that this man wasn't a fellow Pokemon enthusiast, but instead a monster planning to ambush her. This case became known as the Pokemon murder. This is the story of Shashia Moreau. Hi everyone, I'm your host Miko, and welcome to episode 78 of True Crime Timeline. Now before we begin, I wanted to mention that if you'd like to support the show or are a new listener and want to access the older episodes, please check out patreon.com slash truecrimetimeline. For $3 a month, you can access the old episodes, one mini episode a month, and also have my heartfelt gratitude for keeping the show going. There are too many episodes so far. Also, if you haven't left a review yet, please do so. Every review really does help the show out. I'd also like to apologize in advance if I pronounce anything incorrectly in this episode. I tried looking up the pronunciation of certain names and places, so hopefully I got it right. So with that, let's begin. 20-year-old Shishia met 25-year-old Johnny Vandenbroek on social media. They had a common interest in cosplay and Pokemon. One day, Vandenbroek connected with her about meeting up to trade figures of popular Pokemon characters. He appeared harmless, so she agreed to meet him at the Antwerp Central train station. From there, they planned to go to his apartment to do the trade. On the morning of February 7th, 2017, Shashia excitedly got ready for her meeting with Vanderbrook. She headed out around 9 a.m. and headed to the Heistopdenberg train station. But Shashia never came back home that day. Her family called her cell phone, but she didn't answer. Instead, it went directly to voicemail. Her father tried contacting her friends, but again, no one had heard from her. When she didn't show up for work, he knew that something was wrong. Her father contacted the police and a major search was launched to find her. Now, of course, the first person that investigators wanted to talk to was Vanderbrook, since he might've been the last person to see Shashia and he may have had some clues on where she went. But when they went to talk to him, he told officers that he hadn't seen her because she never showed up for their meeting, and later he just went to work. Police checked, and it was true. He had shown up for work that day. Investigators turned to social media to look for clues, any clues they found some interesting messages on Facebook. Around 11.02 that morning, Vandenbroek sent Shashia a message asking why she hadn't shown up to do the trade. He also sent another message around 11.14 a.m. to one of her friends asking why Shashia didn't show up. 
Now, these messages did corroborate the story he told police. However, surveillance footage later surfaced contradicting his statement of him not meeting Shashia that day. Video showed that around 10.40 a.m., the two did meet at Antwerp Central Station, and together, they headed out in the direction of his apartment, which happened to be really close to the station. There was also surveillance video showing him leaving his apartment later that day, wearing different clothes than what he had been seen in the earlier video when he was with Shashia. On February 9th, his apartment was searched and a small blood stain was found. However, using luminol, they discovered that blood was actually everywhere in the apartment and someone had taken great pains to clean it. Also, his apartment building had a community courtyard and garden. Investigators checked that area and it was there in the late evening hours when they found her body. She was naked, beaten, her arms and legs had been tied up, and she'd also been raped. Police later confirmed that the body found was Shishia. The autopsy confirmed that she had been strangled. Vandenbroek was arrested for her murder. Faced with this evidence, he admitted to meeting her that day but insisted that he had no memory of the murder. And he stuck to this story for two long years. His trial finally started in October, 2019. During the trial, Vandenbroek changed his story for the first time. He had always stuck to the story that he didn't remember anything about the murder. However, during the trial, his memory apparently came back. He said that the two walked from the train station to his apartment and he did show her the Pokemon figurines. He alleged that he then initiated contact with her by touching her buttocks and kissing her. She responded back, so they went into his bedroom. They had sex once, but they didn't try anything extreme. But when they had sex the second time, he grabbed her throat with both of his hands and said that he must have squeezed harder than he thought. He said that his eyes had been closed and there was no indication of distress. His testimony was accompanied with a disturbing demonstration using a doll. And this demonstration was understandably upsetting for everyone in the courtroom. The medical examiner confirmed that the cause of death was strangulation. However, it was unclear whether it was caused via hands around her neck or some type of special collar designed for extreme sex. The ME also noted that there was an injury to Shashia's leg that may be an indication that force might have been used to initiate sex, meaning that it may not have been consensual as Vandenbroek claimed. He insisted that he panicked when he realized that she was dead, which is why he didn't report it and then subsequently buried her body in the garden. Now the prosecution was determined to show that Vandenbroek had planned this murder. 
They argued that he ambushed Shashia once she got to his apartment. After raping her, he set about killing her and then tried to cover up the crime using social media. He had used Facebook to message Shashia asking why she didn't show up. He also messaged her family stating that he was super worried about her. And again, all of this was done just to throw suspicion away from him. During the trial, both the psychologist and psychiatrist were called to testify, and they both stated that Vandenbroek exhibited psychopathic tendencies. Specifically, the psychiatrist said that Vandenbroek took a sadistic pleasure in seeing others suffer. There was even an ex-girlfriend who testified that he had practiced sexual asphyxiation with her and he wouldn't stick to the boundaries that they had set. Further investigation revealed that Vandebroek talked openly online about sadistic sexual fantasies and he also tried to lure other women. Several women said that he approached them on Facebook trying to get them to meet him for sex. Now, the jury didn't find Vandenbroek's explanations of the events credible. No one believed that Shashia willingly agreed to have sex with him that day. And so, he was found guilty of her murder. The Antwerp Assize Court sentenced Vandenbroek with a life sentence and also 15 years TBS. Now, I wasn't familiar with this type of sentencing, but it seemed like it's a sentencing for high-risk offenders receiving additional judicial surveillance on top of the regular prison sentencing, and it's done to protect the community. This was a harsh sentence, but Vandenbroek deserved it for such a brutal crime. The judge commented that Vandenbroek brutally took the life of Shashia, and his attitude showed a flagrant lack of respect for the fundamental values of society. It's comforting to know that this monster will never get out of jail. Shashia Moreau was characterized by her parents as a girl with a lot of plans. She appeared to be fun-loving, and her Facebook page indicates a girl with a passion for cosplay. There weren't too many details about her, but I found an anonymous quote that I feel speaks to how much she was loved. Quote, Oftentimes, we say goodbye to the person we love without wanting to. Though that doesn't mean that we've stopped loving them or we've stopped to care. Sometimes goodbye is a painful way to say, I love you, unquote. You will never be forgotten, Shashia Moreau. So that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. Check out the True Crime Timeline Instagram and Facebook page for pictures about the episode. And I'd also like to thank and acknowledge the many sources that were used. This podcast would not be possible without the sources. If you'd like a list of the sources, want to request a case, or just say hello, send an email to truecrimetimelinepod at gmail.com. 
So with that, take care and stay safe, everyone.